Good morning again. Glad you came to church today. I mean that. Uh, I am honored, obviously, to be here again. I love coming and being with you and ministering to you. And uh, we were traveling this past week. We had been fishing up in northern Minnesota, up in the Boundary Waters, up near Ely, Minnesota, in Canada. And uh, so we had a week of that. And then I ministered last week in Minnesota, in St. Paul, Minnesota. And then on the way back, we stopped in Chicago and went and saw the Cubs and the Phillies on Wednesday night. And uh, I happened to get a text from Brian on Thursday. Was it Thursday, Brian? Yeah, I think so. He said, hey, you doing anything Sunday? I said, I am now. I'm coming to Vineyard Christian Church. And so it worked out right. And I believe this is a a God thing. I believe this is a God-timed thing. And I've come to inspire you and give you hope. I'm I'm just your friendly neighborhood hope dealer. I'm 49 years old. I'm glad I'm honored to have my son Christian with me today. My assistant, my traveling companion, you know, my right-hand guy. And my parents... Bob and Diane Yanok are with me. And if you, listen, the reason why I'm alive is because of them, right? (laughs) And I'm so glad that they drove two and a half hours to be up here today and to come to church. And so would you welcome my mom and dad with me today? (laughs) Yeah, so I, I, I just, you know, at 49, I don't have it all figured out. Still working through some things of what about what I want to be when I grow up. Can anybody relate, right? But I do know this. I know my purpose. I know my purpose, and my purpose is to encourage. My purpose is to inspire. My purpose is to motivate. Because there's a bunch of negative garbage in our culture, in our society. And, you know, and there's a bunch of people that just looks down on life and... You know, they want bad things to happen to people, and they kind of celebrate that. Not me, man. I want you to get up. I want you to succeed. I want you to turn your life around. I Listen, I don't care how bad it is right now in your life. It can turn around. Because God can speak a word. One word can turn your situation around in a moment, just like that. And so somebody's got to give hope. And somebody, you know, quit watching the news. If you want to, listen, if you want to bury your motivation and your spiritual life, watch the news. Because I know Christians, that's the first thing they do when they get up in the morning. Man, they got to turn on Fox. I don't care if it's Fox, CNN, whatever. And they got to, in, in, they got to put that crud in their brain, you know. How about we put some God in our heart in the mornings? We need to take back our mornings. And you know what? When I come back again, I'm going to talk to you about that. I'm going to help us with our, our mornings, our prayers, our devotions, our, our intimacy with God. But today I've come to help those who have messed up in life and those who have fallen and those who have life has just knocked you out. You know, and it may be some people that knocked you out and you may want to punch them in the throat. I'm going to help you with that today too. All right. Uh, so my message, as Pastor Brian said, and I love him and Michelle dearly, and, and Brian is one of those uh, friends in my life that I can and have told him everything. Uh, 
you know, the, the, the good and the bad and the ugly. And you always need to have somebody uh, in your life that you can share the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they're still going to love you. And they're still going to get up and invite you to their church <laughs> and speak highly of you. And that's Brian and I's relationship. And thank you, Brian, for that. Micah chapter 7, verse number 8, simple passage of scripture, verse of scripture, says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. You ever been knocked down? This minor prophet in ancient Israel knew what it was like to just get knocked upside the head, to get punched in the gut, and to get knocked down by his enemy. But he spoke to his enemy and he said, hey, don't rejoice, don't you gloat, don't you get excited because you knocked me down. I'm getting back up. My grandmother just recently passed away a few months ago in February and and she found out in August that she had brain cancer and so none of us wanted her to die. She was 87, about to be 88. I mean, she was the person that we confessed all our sins. She was like Jesus to us, man. I think every grandkid confessed every sin that they ever did to her, you know, and then she would pray for us and then call our parents, right? <laughs> and we were like, Grandma, we, and uh, Dana and Donna uh, have known my grandmother June for years, many, many, many years, and so they, they, they've known her well. And so I told her, I said, Grandma, we're not ready for you to go. She goes, hey, toodaloo. That's what she said. She said, I'm here today, gone tomorrow. And she said it with a smile, gloating in the fact that she was going to die. She said, but I shall arise. She did not fear death. She did not fear eternity. She knew she was going to get back up. And I thought, my God, if my grandmother had the heart, the passion, the hope, the faith, the tenacity... To know that when she dies, she's going to get back up again. That she knew that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. My goodness, when we fail in life and when we get knocked down in life, we got to have that same kind of courage and perseverance and faith to get back up again. So I'm preaching to you today, not I shall arise, but how to get up when you've been knocked down or I shall arise. Because everybody gets knocked down in this life. The date was February 11th, 1990. The event was historically significant. It was entitled Tyson's Comeback. The match was between the heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson, and the number one contender who was 42-1 from Columbus, Ohio, James Buster Douglas. James is a friend of mine. Been, we met back in 2001. And then in the last seven years since I came back to Columbus, we have done some events together. And uh, that was the heavyweight champion. Uh, but he looks better now. 
Uh, we're involved in the Juvenile Type 1 Diabetes Association. As you know, my daughter is a Type 1 diabetic. I'm a Type 2 diabetic. James is a Type 2 diabetic. And so, and so that's the he- that was the heavyweight champion of the world. And it was significant because Tyson was having some trouble, but he was going to be back. And it was in the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo. And the amazing thing was this fight was considered one of the biggest upsets in history, in boxing history. Now, what people don't remember was the last 10 seconds of the eighth round. We all talk about the 10th round, but it was the last 10 seconds in the eighth round and Tyson had been backed up against the ropes And he took his right arm and he did an uppercut to Douglas. And Douglas got hit so hard that he went tumbling to the ground. And the referee began to count. 1,001. 1,002. And Douglas's trainer, John Johnson, who happens to be a friend of mine, John used to be the assistant football coach with Woody Hayes for the Ohio State Buckeyes. John was in the corner, and John was saying, get up, Buster. Come on, you can get up. But Tyson had hit him hard. The referee got to the count of nine. And Tyson is gloating because he knows he's going to win again. But all of a sudden, Douglas grabs the rope, and here's his Manager, and here's his trainer yelling, get up, you can do this. Why do Christians gloat at people who get knocked down? Oh, I've been around church long enough to know when somebody makes a mistake or falls or fails, here's what a lot of religious people love to do. I saw it coming, the Lord showed me. (laughs) I had gotten a word, and I, I was going to warn them, but I, you know, I saw it coming. No, we need people in our corner that says, get up. I don't care how bad you've been hurt. I don't care how bad you're hurt. Get up. Come on, you can do this. And at the count of nine, Buster Douglas got up. Now, here's what people don't remember. Anybody Mike Tyson ever hit in the history of his history of boxing, when he hit them so hard they got hit, knocked down on the floor, none of them ever got up. Nobody, after Mike Tyson, boom, and you hit the ground, you didn't get back up. Except James Buster Douglas from Columbus, Ohio. At the count of nine, with everything he had, got up. And then you know the 10th round. The 10th round is intense. He's given some jabs to Tyson. He, man, he has an open, I mean, he's laying in on him, and Tyson comes back and lays a few on him, and then all of a sudden, Douglas, you know, hits him four times, and Douglas goes against the ropes, or I mean, uh, Tyson goes against the ropes, and then coming back, Tyson does, does another uppercut to Douglas, but he, when his arm went down, Douglas, and you know the story, Tyson who had never, ever been knocked down, who had never been knocked out, hit the ground. Matter of fact, if you remember, 
Sports Illustrated, Time Magazine, Newsweek had the picture. He got hit so hard, his mouthpiece was knocked out of his mouth. And while he's on the ground, he's trying to get it and put it back in, but he had no strength to get back up. My question to you is about James Buster Douglas, and we've talked about this before. What if he never would have got back up? His financial life would not be where it's at today. He never would have became the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. But all because at the last moment, at the last second, and he was tired. He did, he did not have the strength to do it, but he got back up. Changed his life, his family's life forever. And changed boxing history. The biggest upset all because he decided to get back up. The famous Green Bay Packer coach, Vince Lombardi, said, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get back up. We live in a human world, and falling down is just a part of life. I remember hearing Muhammad Ali say the same thing. You don't lose if you get knocked down. You lose if you stay down. Listen, we all get the wind knocked out of us. We all get hit. Life has a way of hitting us and knocking us down. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9, even Paul, who understood this concept, he understood success, significance, but he also understood failure. He also understood what it was like to have circumstances all in the name of, of, of Christ because of preaching and, and be shipwrecked, be snake bitten, be poisoned, be put in prison unlawfully and get the wind knocked out and knew what it was like. And here's what he would say. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. But not, we are persecuted, but not forsaken. And I love this part, he says, but we're struck down, but we are not destroyed. Just because you've been knocked down doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean that your story is over. There is still another chapter of your life, of your business, of your relationships, of your marriage, of your mind, still waiting to be written. When you fall, it's not who you are. It is just a, an event in your life. And there's going to be all kinds of events happening in your life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. There are three specific times, I think, when life knocks us down. One is when Satan attacks us. Really, he really does. And he uses his devices. He uses stupid people. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and he uses demons, you know, to, to knock you down, to tempt you, to test you, to almost try to defeat you. But there's also sometimes in, um, are, are uncontrollable circumstances. Sometimes there are uncontrollable circumstances that happen in life that knock us down. And then the third that we don't ever want to admit that sometimes they're self-imposed. I have 
got knocked down before because it was my own darn fault. Right? And it takes a man, it takes a woman, it takes a true Christ follower to say, hey, yeah, I messed up that one. I shouldn't have done that. I should, you know what I mean? We, we have all these things. So sometimes they're self-imposed. But here's the facts that I want, I want, to, I want you to get this morning that you got to realize. Number one, getting knocked down is a fact of life. It's a fact of life. It happens. Jesus said, I have told you in John 16, 33, these things, that in me you have peace, but in the world you're going to have trouble and tribulation. He said, take heart. I have overcome the world. So we're going to have pressure and oppression and stress and anguish and adversity. That's what this word means. Afflictions, crushing, squeezing, distress. We're going to have those moments. You ever felt that way financially? You ever felt that way in relationships? It just everything came crashing down. So getting knocked down in life is a given, but getting up and moving forward is a choice. Number two, getting knocked down, remember this happens to everybody. Even those that you look at are the picture of success. Even those who are champions get knocked down. Matthew 5 45 says, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This may mess with our theology, but good things happen to bad people. That's called grace. But also, bad things happen to good people. And vice versa. You know, Paul was trying to travel to Thessalonica, and he said, I've come to you, I'm trying to come to you, but certainly again and again, but he says, Satan blocked my way. Satan broke up the road. He hindered us from coming to be with you. So Paul had some resistance. He had some things that were kept on knocking him down. But notice what Paul did. He never backed down. He never stopped. He kept moving forward. He refused to be dominated by failure. He refused to be dominated by resistance. Like the prophet Tom Petty saying, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You're right. That's what Paul was like. And the struggle that you face in life is this proof you haven't been defeated. You're still in the game. It's it's like this. When uh, we had five kids and um, and, uh, when they were learning to walk, they would take a few steps and then they would fall. Okay? We didn't look at them and go, Christian, you're such an idiot. No, 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 we ran over there and said, come on, son, get back up. And I'm telling you, he would take a few steps and hit the ground more than 50 times. Do you know, I'm sure he never thought, well, maybe this is not for me. (laughs) Maybe I should just give up on this walking thing. And mom and I, and then Trish and I never looked at him and said, son, You've tried one too many times. You probably need to come to the realization 
that you just can't do this. No. You know what we did as parents? Come on, son, get back up. We'd go over there and grab his hands, and then he and I would walk. I'd walk with him. I'd hold his hands. What would happen if the church started holding the hands of people who have failed? What if we started holding the hands of people who don't have it all together and who have not uh, made it perfectly and done things perfectly, but instead of kind of looking down, we kind of got behind them and said, come on, we're going to hold your hand. You're going to make it. We're going to take a couple steps, put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking through the, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, when I let go of his hands, at one point, he started walking. And we cheered, and we cried. And I looked at my wife, and I said, it's all over. (laughs) Happens to everybody. Number three, getting knocked down won't last forever. Come on, somebody. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians, for our light and momentary afflictions and troubles are working for us, are achieving for us something that outweighs anything that we're going through right now. I remember reading that going, Paul, come on, man. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know the battle I'm facing inside. You don't know what I'm dealing with financially. You don't know what I'm dealing with merrily. You don't know what I'm dealing with my kids. God, I don't... But Paul said, I know. And he wanted you to know. And he wanted me to know, hey, that thing you're going through, it's light and it's only going to be for a moment. Can I tell you this? You're going to outlast whatever fight you're in right now. I grew up watching WWE wrestling. (laughs) And before every wrestling match, this is a 10-minute time limit. That match, that wrestling match, had 10-minute time limit. After 10 minutes, it's over. Boxing matches have time limits. Why do we look at our problems and our fights and our troubles and go, man, this thing has been lasting forever? Here's what happens to our faith. We're going through something for like maybe three days. We're like, okay, God, you must not even care. Right? I prayed once. We are so impatient American Christians. We feel like we have to live in an instant society. I mean, we're ready to torch McDonald's because we have to wait an extra three minutes for our quarter pounder with cheese. We're so impatient, and so we're impatient with our life. And I've come to tell you, whatever you're going through, it has a time limit. You're going to outlast it. You're going to beat this thing. Now listen to me. Even the darkest hour is only 60 minutes. Hey, hey, what did David say? Weeping may endure for a night. Come on. Joy comes in the morning. Can you hang on? Can you hang on for that first ray of light? Can you hang on to realize you still got some breath, some life in you, and you're going to get through this? You're going to get back up. Even Charlie Chaplin said this, nothing is permanent in this wicked world, not even our troubles. Thank you, Pastor Charlie. (laughs) The number four, getting knocked down can be good for us. Peter writes that, that our faith is worth more than gold, and while it's going through the fire, listen, it's being proven. 
you know, it's not the good times. It's not the great times. It's not our successes that prove our faith. Man, it's the times of loneliness and despair and discouragement. The times that you feel all alone and you're, you're wallowing in misery and failure. It's at those times where your true faith is going to be tested. Sometimes you and I have to get knocked down lower than we've ever been so we can stand up taller than we've ever been. Our faith will be tested by these hardships in life, these disappointments and difficulties. I know there are movements in Christianity that says, well, if you're going through a hard time, you don't have any faith. Well, that's stupid. I found out the times I've gone through hard times is because I've had too much faith. And God's like, oh, good. You can handle this. C.S. Lewis said, God who foresaw your tribulation has specifically armed you to go through it. Listen, not without pain, but without stain. Some people will go through the furnace, the fight, and get burned, but others will come out, and it will make them stronger, and it will build them. Here's three keys that I'm going to end with today that I feel like if, you're go- if you've fallen in life, if you've been knocked down financially, if you've been through a bad relationship and it just, you- you're afraid to love again, you know, the problem is not love. I just don't know if I want to love again. I've been hurt. No, the problem is the other person did the hurting, not love. So you, got- you can never give up on love. Hello. That's why you never give up on hope. You never give up on faith. It's just the circumstances in life, and it's the devil, and it's the people that make these things difficult. There is no disgrace in being knocked down in life. There's only shame not ever getting back up. Come on. 1 John 4, 4 says it like this. You are my dear children, and you are from God. Greater is he that's within you than he that's in the the world. You know, you really can't really appreciate life until it's knocked you down a few times. You really can't appreciate love until your heart has been broken a few times. Come on. You really will begin to appreciate happiness when you've experienced some sort of sadness in your lives. But once you walk through the valley, man, the mountaintop looks extraordinary. The mountaintops of life look wonderful. They're breathtaking. I believe that our troubles in life are actually just the enemy's desperation to stop us. That's all. I love what Paul said, though, in the midst of all that in Romans chapter 8. He said, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us. Who can be against us? First key that you're going to need that's going to help you. Really, it'll help you. And people struggle with this, believe it or not. Great people struggle with this. Achievers struggle with this. Champions struggle with this. And that is courage. David writes in Psalms 31, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait 
for the Lord. The reason why we will be faced with times of discouragement. Discouragement means that we lose courage, we lose hope, and we're overwhelmed because of the circumstances. Discouragement wants you just to give up on life. Discouragement says, what's the use trying anymore? And a lot of times, discouragement has a loud mouth. And it's all we ever hear. I love what Winston Churchill, man, that new movie about him is phenomenal. Go see it. And uh, Winston Churchill said it like this, success is never final and failure is never fatal. It's courage that counts. So we were fishing up in the Boundary Waters. We, I've been going for about 12 years. My uncle, who pastors up in the Twin Cities, he's been going for about 43 years. And we, we're in the wilderness. It's called the Boundary Waters Wilderness Area. It's the waters between Canada and the U.S. No motorboats have ever been in it, so we fish in canoes. And there is small, smallies, largemouth bass, northern pike, walleye. The water is so clean and clear, you get thirsty, you just take your cup, you dip it in the bath, and you take a drink. It's clean, it's good, you're not going to get sick, it's wonderful. It's, and we say intense. I mean, it's primitive, man. No four seasons. <laughs> the only four seasons it is, we've been in there with, in a snowstorm, rainstorm, thunderstorm, 80-degree weather. We've experienced all four seasons up there in May and in June, okay? So you're, when you're in the wilderness, you're in the wilderness, and there's all kind of animals there. There's bald eagles, there's moose, there's bear, there's wolverines, there's deer, there's all kind, and you never know what you're going to see or what you're going to experience. And Monday night at 3 o'clock in the morning, I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to do what most 49-year-old men have to do. <laughs> and all the men say amen. amen. And our tent was up the path from the camp, in the middle of the woods, in a grassy area, perfect place for the tent. And so I just opened up the tent, walked three steps out, and started to, you know, yeah. And, uh, and all of a sudden, because I'm in front of a tree, I usually go out with your flashlight, because if there is animals around, you just, it shoes them away. I didn't put the flashlight on. I didn't take my flashlight out. I just, it's dark. I took three steps out of the tent. Okay, no biggie. I can see where I'm going. And all of a sudden, I hear, and I felt on my chest. <sighs> That's never happened before. And then I hear it a second time. <sighs> and the second time, I took two steps, and I dove headfirst into my tent. My brother-in-law was in there and said, woke, woke him wide up. He's like, what? what's going on? What happened? I said, something's out there. <laughs> he said, what were you doing? I'm like, dude. <laughs> oh, okay. I hurry up and zip the tent. My heart is beating. I am scared to death. So the next morning we get up, we're eating breakfast, and I told it to my uncle and to the guys. And my uncle said, well, it could have been a deer. It could have been a wolverine. Then again, it could have been a, a bear. I'm like, okay, all right. So we get back on Friday. Yeah, oh, yeah, really? Three feet from me. Only those things. We get back to the outfitters, and Dave, who runs the outfit, I told Dave about the experience. He says, Rob, you know, in his Minnesota accent, said, Rob, it was probably a moose. Well, they're even worse. They're like monsters. 
And I was like freaked out. I'm like, thank God for his protection, but I was scared. Well, my uncle took another team of pastors and people up last week, called me on Friday and said, it was a bear. It was a black bear. Let me, let me show you what it was. I was three feet taking a leak from that. <laughs> Took, <laughs> I'm sorry. TMI, right? I'm telling you, it took my breath away. The, the bear actually came back to camp on Monday, tore the camp up, went through my, uh, my aunt sends up peanut butter cookies and oatmeal raisin cookies every year. Them bears, the, the mama and the, her two cubs came through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, even during the day while they were eating lunch sitting there. And they were so not afraid of humans, they had actually had to move the camp. He's like, so I'm telling you right now, because the bear, it was a bear that you experienced, and you just need to thank God. And and I'm telling you that story because even though I couldn't see what it is, I heard, I felt it, and it it, it took courage right out of me. It scared me to death. And we all have circumstances and situations in life that scare us, that, that try to wipe courage out from us. But I want to tell you something. I, I love the fact, someone once said, you will never do anything worthwhile in this world without courage. And the reason why we need courage is because we're faced with fear. The reason why we need courage is because we're faced with discouragement at times. No matter what our personality is. I'm an upbeat personality kind of guy. I don't get discouraged. I can tell you in the last two years, I've been the most depressed, the most discouraged in my ministry life and have fought some of the biggest battles. And God was coaching this young man, military leader named Joshua. And I could relate to Joshua. And the words that God and Moses gave Joshua, he gave to me. And three times in Joshua, because Joshua is being coached here because the, it's transition, it's midlife, it, his life is about to change, he's taking over leadership of the nation, Moses is dead, so everything is falling on Joshua, even though he was a military genius, even though he was successful in the past, which brought him to this place of significance, everyone thinks he has it all together, he's scared to death. He's second-guessing himself. He's discouraged. He's not wanting to do it. And three times in Joshua chapter 1, the word comes to him, be strong and courageous. You know why? Because Joshua felt like a weakling. Have you ever felt weak? Have you ever felt so overwhelmed by life that you just don't have enough strength to go on? And you're like, I'm done with Christianity. I'm done with church. It just, you know, boom. Your tires went flat last week, and you're like, that's it. God must not love me, right? Think how easy we get knocked down at times, right? And then he tells him again, be strong and be very courageous. He says very courageous because Joshua is shaken in his shoes. He's faced with a bear and he's scared. It took his breath away. And then he tells him on the third time, be strong and courageous. I, I, I've come to tell you these are encouraging words. I love what John, um, uh, John Wayne said. Anybody remember John Wayne? Yeah. Do you know I preached this one other time at, two years ago at Gracetown. And somebody actually came up to me and asked me who John Wayne was. 
Ibel fell into sin. <laughs> What's wrong with this generation who don't know who John Wayne is? John Wayne said, and there's probably some kids going, who is John Wayne? I don't know who he is. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Number two, and I'm almost getting there, perseverance. Perseverance. Oh, perseverance. Sometimes I, you know, I ask God, I, I've had, he's put in me, like Brian says, I've been knocked down quite a bit over the last couple years, and, and I do. I, I wake up, and I feel good, and, and I face the fight, and I face the battle, and I get hit, and I get knocked down, and and I get back up and I smile. That's just my personality, you know. And I ask God, I said, God, why, do you, why did you give me so much tenacity and perseverance? You know, because I just keep on like the energizer bunny. I take a licking and keep on ticking, right? But perseverance, which is steadfast in doing something despite the difficulty, despite the discouragement, despite the delay in achieving what your desire is and what success is. And, and, and we have to persevere. Psalms 18 said, For who is a God beside the Lord? Who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help your shield, and your right hand sustains me, and your help has made me great. You provide, listen to what he's saying, a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back until they were destroyed. That is the picture of perseverance. And I believe we're living in a day where it's not time to retreat as Christ followers. It's never a time to retreat. It's time to stand strong in the face of adversity, in the face of spiritual battles. And not lose your hope and not lose your faith. If your marriage is going through hell, just keep moving. You'll get through it. I promise you. Whatever you're faced with, you, well, listen, you can endure and you can make it. Extraordinary people have three traits. One, they respond positive, positively to all challenges uh, and they learn from their mistakes. They make a lot of them, but they learn from them. John Maxwell says sometimes you fail and sometimes you learn. Let's learn. Number two, they take personal initiative. They don't always wait for somebody to get them up. They try to get up. They take initiative. Number three, and they have great perseverance. Those who have perseverance are the ones left standing when everyone else quits. You know, the word perseverance is actually rooted in the word severe. And you don't persevere when you're sitting on top of the world. You don't persevere when everything's going good, when you have money in the bank and all your bills are paid and nothing broke down and everybody loves you and nobody's fighting. 
No, no, perseverance comes when your life is going through severe battles and difficulties. That word severe means great discomfort. It means to damage. It means dangerous. It means distress, difficult. It means to stretch. It means extreme. It's in those moments in your finances, those moments in your relationships, those moments as a church, those moments personally in the battles that you face in your mind that you need to stand strong and not give in. It's like uh, Pastor Charles Spurgeon says, it was by perseverance that the snail reached the ark. (laughs) You were waiting for something profound to come out of my mouth, weren't you? Listen, whoever counted you out, tell them they can't count. Don't back down. Tenacious, persevering, unsinkable people can overpower the circumstances and the rejections and the disappointments and the problems. They, you can persevere. James 1.12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because he had stood the test. The person who will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Perseverance. 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul said, I have fought the good fight. Notice that he didn't say, I've lived a great life. He could say that, but he said, no, no, my life was a fight. Marriage is a fight. Raising kids is a fight. Finding your significance as a man to provide for your family and to find fulfillment is a fight. Making relationships and friendships work are not easy. They're a fight. You know, Billy Graham just recently passed away. What a great man. And in an interview, his wife was interviewed long before she passed away too. And they said, have you ever thought about, you know, um, divorcing Billy because of him being gone so much? She goes, no, never thought about divorcing him. I thought about killing him. (laughs) Right? Isn't that great? Yeah, but you've thought that too, all right? But everything in life is a fight. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. The reason why he called it a good fight is because he finished the race. And here's what else he says, I've kept the faith. If you can keep the faith, whatever your battle is, whatever your fight is, it's a good fight. Even Mike Tyson admitted the fight against Buster Douglas was the greatest fight he ever fought even though he got beat, all right? Perseverance. And then my last point is this. Faith. Faith's a pretty tricky thing. A lot of times we think we have it on the market. We know everything there is to know about faith, and I'm finding out I don't know much about faith (laughs) because I find out once I get through one battle, my faith is tested with another battle. And it's a constant thing. And I don't even worry about doubt anymore. You know, people get worried when a believer's doubting. I don't ever, I doubt at times. As positive as I am, there's times I doubt a lot of things. And I question a lot of things. And I'm constantly, there's things I don't believe anymore. That I believed 10 years ago, I don't believe anymore. (laughs) 
Okay, my, I have moved on and, and my faith has grown. And, but there's times I've doubted. And I remember hearing messages, well, if you doubt, you're in sin. Really? Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, oh, God, please let this cup pass from me. He was not, you know what I mean? But nevertheless, if I can't get out of this, I'm going to trust you. He had some struggles some doubts. We all doubt. I love what Frederick Buechner said about doubt. It's amazing. He said, doubts are ants in the pants of our faith. <laughs> they keep our faith alive. It gets you to look internally. And what if many of us would quit looking externally and quit judging ourselves by other people's lives and other people's walks and begin to look inside of us? That's what it means to have faith. And then you say, God, I don't understand why this is happening, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you, even though I can't see the end of the tunnel. I can't see the light of the end of the day. I can't see myself. You know the way that I take. And when I am finished, I shall come forth as gold tried in the fire. God, I don't understand, but I know you're doing something. That's faith. Faith is not having it all figured out. Faith is saying, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to trust in God with all of my heart. And I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but in all of my ways, I will acknowledge him. And he's going to direct my paths. Amen. 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 Give God a hand clap of praise. Whoever's playing the keyboard, you can come up. We may get knocked down, even on the outside, but the key is get up on the inside. And you have to get yourself up inside your mind and your spirit first before you get up physically. That's where you, your faith needs to rise. 1 John 5, 4, I love this passage of scripture. For everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. That word overcome means to conquer. It means the champion of the games. If you're going to be a champion, if you're going to be an achiever, if you're going to move forward in greater prayer and greater faith and greater Christianity and a, and a better marriage, being more integrity, having more integrity in your business, and doing what is right and being prosperous. And, and, and I'm not, when I say the word prosperous, it's not what people think it is. You know what it is? If it, it, it's simply this. Health, family, a good church, a great pastor, friendship, provision, a job. Single gals, don't go out with him if he doesn't have a job. <laughs> Telling you how to be prosperous, right? I'm just okay. I'm just messing with you. Just messing. Romans eight thirty seven. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. That is now hyper nikos. More than, over and above, greater, top notch, paramount, overwhelming, enormous. This is the kind of faith. No matter how you feel, is on the inside of you. Remember what John said: Greater is He that's within you. What's in you is faith. What's in you is Christ, the hope of glory. What's in you is the Holy Spirit. 
and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you will quicken your mortal bodies. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 and raise you up. If he has the power to raise you up for eternity, if he has the power to raise you up for heaven, he has the power that when you fall down in life, whether it's morally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, marriage-wise, you have within you to get back up again. You have the power to dream again, to begin again to have hope again, to love again. You have it on the inside. True faith, and I am closing. Feel better? Yeah, I am. Play something. Just, start, just real period, you go and play. That'll hurry me up, because I, I, you got to hear this. Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. I hope when I leave here today and you leave here today that I just sowed a seed of faith in you, belief that you can get through what you're going through. And faith doesn't deny obstacles. Faith doesn't deny that you got problems or that you've fallen down. It declares that the God who is in us is greater than all the madness around us, all the horrible experiences that many of us have experienced in life. God is greater. First Timothy said this, Paul's speaking, Paul's about ready to pass away. And Paul says this, I charge, I entrust you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies or the words of encouragement previously made about you, that you may wage the good warfare. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, the good things that were spoken over your life, are not just going to happen because they were spoken. You have to fight for the good in this world. You've got to fight for these things to happen in your life. And he's telling Timothy how he's going to fight. That you wage a good warfare. And he says this, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwrecked of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Holding faith. If you let go of your faith, you shipwreck your faith, is what Paul was telling Timothy. So he says, Timothy, you can win this battle if you can have holding faith. That word holding faith is the Greek word kutechio, which means this. I'm going to hold on with a firm grip. I was deep sea fishing last year over in near Fort Myers on the Gulf. We were 90 miles out and we had four to five, four to six foot waves. Any fishermen know what I'm talking about? Holy Jesus, help us. And I held on. I held on till we got to the wind died down but I can tell you this, I did not let go. I held on. That's the kind of faith he's saying. But I'm getting hit, Rob. Life is kicking me upside the head. And man, my finances are a mess. My, my, my spouse is wanting to leave me. My friends have rejected me. I just got fired. I, I prayed. I did. But nothing seems to be working, Rob. What do I do? You hold on and you don't let go. 
Maybe the storms of a bad, tough marriage is waging through your life right now. Maybe the idea that you can't find a job and nothing is opened up because of our what, what the world is like. Hold on. David said, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I've come to tell you, Vineyard Christian Church, whatever you go through in your life personally, whatever you go through as a church, whatever you go through as a family, please hold on. Hold on because your weeping may endure for a night, but I promise you, joy's coming in your morning. Peace is coming in your morning. Your life will change. It will turn around. He told Timothy, hold on, don't let go. Don't shipwreck your faith. And I've come to tell you today, no matter what you're fighting, and you may be getting hit hard, hold on. Hebrews 10, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he was promised who is faithful. When you hold on to faith, you hold on to the power of of an almighty sovereign God who is greater than any of greater than any cancer, greater than type 1 diabetes, greater than any brain tumor, greater than any financial uh, hardship, any relationship shipwreck. God who is in you is greater than all that madness and all that mess. So you might as well hold on. Listen, and if you give up too soon, you'll never know what you'll be missing. Hold on to your faith, even if you don't understand it, even if you don't see it. He says in Hebrews, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive. When Buster got back up and endured the rest of the eighth round and endured, you know, endured the ninth round and got to the tenth round, oh, he received. <laughs> A whole lot of money. The heavyweight champion of the world. All because he got back up. For in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. But those who have faith and are saved.